Thanks for listening to The River's Podcast. For more information on this teaching, visit our website at theriver.info. Hey, friends. Somebody got a haircut this week, and it wasn't me. Yeah, I haven't had a haircut for 20 years because I've had no hair to cut for 20 years. It was Barkley. The whole groomer thing got opened up this week, so he got a haircut on Saturday. And I don't know if you can tell, he's naked. Trust me, he's not dead, he's just sleeping. But he's naked, and I'll be honest with you, he's a little embarrassed. See, whenever he gets his haircut, we do this once a year, we shave him down to get rid of that winter coat so he can enjoy swimming all summer long and not stink up the house. He gets embarrassed because he's naked. And the embarrassment he has over being a naked Newfie reminds me of some things that took place back in the Garden of Eden in Genesis, Genesis chapter 2 and 3. Genesis chapter 2, the Bible tells us, speaking of Adam and Eve, the man and the woman were naked and felt no shame. Now, to be clear, in Genesis chapter 2, it was a physical nakedness for sure, right? Because they were in the garden, as before clothes, and, you know, they were running around naked and happy. But bigger than that, it implied a greater sense of nakedness than just the physical. And that's the part we're going to be pursuing the rest of our time together today. So from here on out, when I talk about nudity and nakedness, I want you to know that I am not talking about literal nudity or nakedness. And if you miss this key point, this whole message is going to be confusing for you. So before I go any further, I need to know that you know that from here on out, I'm talking about emotional and spiritual nakedness, figurative nakedness, not literal nakedness. Do you get it? Nod your head at home if you agree, because otherwise we're going to be confused and you're going to get a wrong message from me, because what I'm going to tell you the rest of our time together and what I'm trying to convince my naked Newfie about is that naked is good. Particularly, nakedness in front of others, maybe select others, is good. So in Genesis chapter 2, we see, as I've said, that Adam and Eve were naked and they felt no shame. That is to say, they were fully seen in their entirety. Fully seen, not just physically, we're not talking about that, but their emotional foibles, their, their struggles in life, everything about them was seen and there was no shame. But unfortunately, after Genesis chapter 2, comes Genesis chapter 3. And we know that once Adam and Eve bit the tree, uh, the fruit from the tree of the forbidden fruit, and scientific research tells us that the fruit on the tree of the forbidden tree of knowledge was the kumquat. That's not true. We just know it was some fruit on a tree that they weren't supposed to eat from. When Adam and Eve ate from that tree, the Bible tells us that their eyes were open. <gasps> They saw their nakedness, and they were ashamed. And if you're familiar with the story at all, you know what happened next. They went and they found fig leaves. Thank goodness it wasn't poison ivy. Amen? They found fig leaves, and they covered 
their nakedness because at that moment when sin entered the world, when they disobeyed God, being fully seen was no longer a good thing. And in that moment of sin, Adam and Eve realized that to be fully seen was scary and they began to live a fig leaf life, presenting a managed, covered, untrue picture of the self. And I think we've been living as descendants of Adam and Eve ever since, where we are scared to death of fully being seen. And so if you've been around the river any length of time, this might come as repeat. That's okay. We don't need to be taught. We need to be reminded, says C.S. Lewis. But many of you are listening online these days who are new to the river. So this is going to be good and insightful new stuff for you. Like Adam and Eve, we've been living the fig leaf life. One author, a guy named John Eldridge, says it this way, we have all entered into the realm of poser. We pose. We hide. And as, I've thinking, uh, as I'm thinking of the times I've taught this message over the year, I, I reflect on some of the stories I've told about my own posing, my own presenting an image that's, that's more palatable in my mind as uh, something I want others to see. I remember the days when I would go to a gym and I would, I would work out at the bench press machine. And you know that thing that they have that little metal thing you pull out and you slide it up or down and you put it in there. And, and wherever you put that little device... That's the weight that goes up with you. It was a regular occurrence for me, poser me, when I was done doing my sets, I would look around, and if no one was looking, I'd pull that metal thing out, and I'd lower it, and get up and leave, so that the next person who followed me would look at the extreme amount of weight and look at me and they would be impressed. God forbid that the true strength was shown because it wasn't good enough. Poser. I'm often reminded too of the stories I've told of, of whenever I go to get my oil changed, right? I can put gas in my car, I can put air in the tires, and I know how to turn the lights on. And as a man, for some silly reason, whenever I go get my oil changed, I feel inferior in always manly. In fact, I almost feel like when I pull in to get the oil changed, I ought to say, here's my man card because I don't know really how to change my oil. I might be able to figure it out, but let's be honest, I don't want to do it. I don't want to get my hands dirty. And when these guys come up with grease on them, smelling of lubrication, talking about 10W this and that, I put on a deeper voice and I say, yeah, whatever we need. And I pretend like I know what I'm talking about and that I'm just in a hurry and need these guys to do what I could easily do myself, but I'm important and busy. When the reality is I have no desire to do that and I have no understanding of how to do that. But instead of just being honest, I go the way of the fig leaf. And I've told this story too around the river before. I knew I was going bald in early college. I knew that the hair was falling out and it was something I had to wrestle with. But I also knew early on in my fight with baldom, and let's just be real. For those of you out there who aren't bald and see dudes who are bald, it's a struggle for all of us when we get to this place of acceptance. I don't know if you're familiar with the, the stages of grieving and Elizabeth Kubler-Ross's study on death and dying, right? There's that denial, there's that anger, there's that fight. And it always ends up in acceptance. But for us to get to accepting that we're just going to be bald, it takes some time. 
I knew early on, my early 20s, probably late teens, I was going to have no hair. I also knew that I wasn't going to go the way of my uncles and do the comb over, fearing wind the rest of my life. Nor was I going to go the way of my other uncles who, or uncle I should say, who, who went the way of toupee, also fearing a big wind. And so what I did is I began to shave my head under the, under the guise that baldness is a choice. And for years I lived with the lie in my mind that I was sending an image to others that I was tough and cool because I chose to be bald. God forbid they would know that I was actually bald. And so the moment that little five o'clock shadow up here stops, I had to go shave it off because oh, I didn't want to be seen as the old guy with the cul-de-sac hair. And so I shaved it off and pretended like it was a choice when in reality baldness was not a choice. Fig leaf living. But it's not just me and Barkley who are scared of truly being seen, who are embarrassed when we're truly seen. I think it's you too because you also are descendants of Adam and Eve. And you might not do the things I've done over the years to pretend and pose. You know, we have these things called personalities that we, we exaggerate and we present an image based on part of our true self, but it's exaggerated at the expense of other parts of our true self to present an image that's acceptable to us and it really is nothing more than an elaborate fig leaf. Some of y'all people are just funny. God gave you humor. But you've taken that God-given gift of humor and exaggerated it, and that's all that you are as a humorous person at the expense of all the other nuances of who you are. And you present, I'm the funny guy, I'm the life of the party, and that has become a fig leaf. Or some of you people are really smart, and that's a God-given thing, way to be smart. But you're putting on a, putting, what does that mean? You have put on a persona that you are the intellectual. And you use big words when little words would suffice. And, and you like the sense of, of portraying only the image of being the intellectual. And it's a God-given thing, but you've exaggerated at the expense of the other nuanced parts of who you are. And it has become nothing but, well, nothing but a fig leaf. Some of you have been blessed with just a mellow temperament. I wish that was me, man. I am not mellow. I wish I was. I'm up and down all over the emotional map. And I sometimes envy you mellow people. But some of you in, uh, mellow people, God-given gift, have taken that, that mellowness and exaggerated it to the point where you, you, you never go up, you never go down. You're just mellow. And you're known as the chill person. Well, you know, if you're hooked up to an EKG, this is life, right? Mellow is dead. And so we, we pose in some tangible, practical, easy-to-see ways and the things we do, like adjusting the weights at the machine or in more insidious ways by over-exaggerating a God-given personality. We pose. Because like naked Newfoundlands, the thought of fully being seen is scary. Now, let's make this even a little more scary. The church, the gathering of God's people, has become the place that is the largest proponent of forcing people into posing lives that planet Earth has ever seen. The church 
ought to be, was intended to be a place where we all could come and live nakedly, figuratively, where we could live nakedly and fully be seen with all of our foibles and our faults and our failures and still be loved and accepted. But instead, the church, for whatever reason, has become a place where we feel like we've got to put an image together, fig leaves, where we are acceptable by others. Right? And I told the story many times at the river. This will be repeat for you, and I'm okay with repeating. In the churches I grew up in and even worked in early in my ministry career, the standard answers were to the question, hey, how you doing today? Well, the easy one was always, what, if you're at home, say it with me, fine. Or the more elaborate spiritual way, mm, blessed. Or how you doing? Living the dream. Or how you doing? God is good all the time. God is good. Now, there's some truth in that. God is good all the time. And it's nice to be fine because sometimes that's true and it's sometimes that we are living the dream. But let's be real. Sometimes living the dream is actually living a nightmare, right? Your life has been a nightmare. For some of you, you're in a nightmare right now with this whole COVID crap that's going on. And although God is good all the time, boy, sure seems like he's not. And even though we say we're fine, the reality is often we are not fine. And we have learned, particularly in the church, that that is the acceptable way to answer the question because rarely do we hear people in the church when asked, how you doing today? We rarely hear people say, ah, I'm sucky today. Life stinks. It'll get better someday, but woof, I'm in the thick of garbage right now. At least I never heard that growing up in the churches that I grew up in. And so it taught me as a little guy, in order for me to fit in the church, being naked wasn't good. Barkley knows that. And so I had to fig leaf live in the church. And so even though the life was rough and miserable in the day going to church, I learned to answer as a young guy, how are you doing? Fine. But we can't just pick on the church, right? It's the larger culture too. N nobody really wants us to say when they pass us on the street, hey, how are you doing today? Sucky. It's just the church. It's everywhere. The world tells us really that, that fig leaf living is the acceptable way. We really don't want to know the dirt. And so we hide our nakedness. And when we are seen naked, when we're fully seen, we get embarrassed and we get ashamed. Well, the problem with this fig leaf living, embarrassed to be naked, and that hidden stuff that we have in here that just wants to get out, but we keep it and we hide behind it. The problem with that is that leads to all kinds of stupid stuff. It leads to shame, right? We're scared to be fully seen. And that shame becomes a sledgehammer that beats the crap out of us. And we walk through life fearful that we'll be truly seen, that we'll be found out as fakes, as pretends, as posers. Even successful people look around over their shoulders. I, I, I hope I'm not found out soon. And that hidden life leads to the shame-filled life, and the shame-filled life is a sledgehammer waiting to take you out. The hidden life has led to all kinds of goofy behaviors throughout planet Earth's history. I propose to you that addic addictions of all sorts are, are coming out of people's uh, pursuit of, of real experiences. And yet when we're scared to be seen, we don't fully live, and so we pursue superficial places of happiness.
addictions, bondage to fear, and the opinions of others. Abject loneliness, all a result of fig leaf living. Loneliness, some of you know that. Right? Even when quarantine isn't in place, you can be in a crowded room and not feel known and be in a crowded room and feel absolutely alone. These are all results of fig leaf living. Well, Jesus has something to say about this. He, he says in the Gospel of Luke that the kingdom of God is at hand. And with the kingdom of God being here, he's come to set the prisoners free. He wants us to get rid of the fig leaves and live nakedly. You understand I'm talking figuratively now. So that we might experience life to the full. In John 10, my favorite verse, John 10, 10, the second part, he says, I've come that you might have life and have it to the full. We'll never have the fullness of life God intended for us unless we choose to walk out into nudity, nakedness. Fig leaves kill so kill your fig leaf. That was pretty cool, wasn't it? came up with that myself. I'm going to say it again. Fig leaves kill, so kill your fig leaf. We see in the Bible examples of all kinds of people who refuse to live fig leaf lives. Right? I'm thinking of, of King David. You can look at any of the Psalms or even the book of Lamentations. When David is down and out and feeling sad, man, he expresses it. There's no fine, God is good all the time for him. He knows God is good, but man, he knows life sometimes is a nightmare. David is quick to say, Lord, when will it end? Well, look at the book of Job, man. Everything went wrong in his world. If Job were a good American, a good Christian American, he would have said, oh, everything's fine. He didn't succumb to that when things were crappy for Job. He would say things like, Lord, just end my life now. I want it to be done. They refused to live the fig leaf life. Even Jesus, on his most troublesome, darkest night in the Garden of Gethsemane, he wept and sweat blood. He was so intensely anguished. He refused to hide the realities of the inner man. They knew, whether it was David, Job, or Jesus, that fig leaf living is a deadly way to live. And so I'm wondering if we can learn from his embarrassment about being naked. Now, if you're listening online and you're not seeing me point at my naked Newfie, I'm talking about Barkley. I wonder if we can learn from his embarrassment about being naked. I'm wondering if we can, if we can come to terms with the true self and allow ourselves to be truly seen. Because you need nakedness in your life. In fact, quite frankly, I'll say it this way. If you ain't living the naked life, you're living an unhealthy life. And not only do you need a naked life, I would say those around you need you to be naked. Now, you've got to understand I'm talking figuratively, emotionally, spiritually. You know what I'm talking about. If you don't know what I'm talking about, boy, this would be a really weird, weird teaching, wouldn't it? You need nakedness, and the people around you need you to be naked so that you can be truly seen for your own benefit and freedom. And when you're truly seen and you're truly known, you will bless people around you in greater ways than you ever have. 
And so that's why at the river we say on a regular basis for the 15 years in our existence, if you got a pulse, you got issues. That's our way of saying, hey, it's okay to be seen as a person with faults. And we said that for our entire existence because what everybody knows who comes in these doors or hears our message, that we are broken people who've got issues that God loves and wants to redeem and work in our issues, through our issues, and set us free from our issues so that we can get to the fact that if you got a pulse, you also have purpose. That phrase, if you got a pulse, you have issues, it's a phrase that leads to freedom because nakedness and the recognition of those and letting others see is the way to freedom. You need to be naked. And so how? How do you move into this, this realm of nudity, nakedness, and what I'm talking about? Now, I'm just imagining those of you who are watching or listening, watching or listening with your children at home, the, the amount of times I've, I've said uh, naked and nudity, I wonder how many giggles have taken place. I should have told you at the beginning of this to take a track, parents, of the times your kids giggled or got embarrassed when I said naked. So right now, kids, if you're listening with mom and dad and you're a little concerned about me being sick, just scream the word naked as loud as you can. Get over it, naked. Moms and dads, you might need to time out here, and you should have done this maybe earlier, and just talk to them, make sure that your youngsters know what I'm talking about, about this figurative sense of nudity. So how do we walk out a naked life? How do we take our clothes off figuratively so that we can truly be seen and not be ashamed. Genesis 2. Well, maybe an action step is to refuse the standard answer of fine when fine is not the right answer. If someone asks you how you're doing and they're a trustworthy person, tell them I'm not good today. Or if they're a little less trustworthy and you're feeling risky, you could say I'm not doing good today, but I trust I will be. It takes some of the pressure off of them to help fix it. But refuse to lie and say, I'm great when you're not great. You know, it's been said, you know, to get through the, the junk, the stuff that we hide that we don't want others to see, you got to feel it to heal it. Or the only way out is through. And I know many of you in these days of, of COVID, for all kinds of reasons, it's scary, right, to, to be out of work, to have less in the paycheck or to have no paycheck, all you, you seniors who missed out on all these things with uh, being a senior, it's horrible and it's miserable. I want to tell you right now, you, you probably ought to feel it. Right? There might be an inclination to, to get through it and feel good. I feel bad about feeling bad. Don't feel bad about feeling bad. In fact, there are things in life that warrant us feeling bad about. And if we deny ourselves the freedom to feel bad, eventually that Novocaine that deadens the bad feeling areas of your heart will seep over and even the place where you feel joy will get that Novocaine and you'll be dead hearted and you will be flatlined. So the way to live is to let it go low sometimes. So some of you might need to just grieve and weep and share, either write it, type it, talk to a friend, just let it out the grievy things that, that are worthy of grieving. Now, in my pursuit to freedom, which will never end until I die, right? But when I was really stuck in my uh, depression back in the day, working with a therapist, I hope you understand what I mean when I was told that I, as a man, needed to embrace the life 
of a menopausal woman. What? Here's what my therapist meant. You know, folks going through menopause, women, when they go through menopause, their emotions are a little more out of balance, and, and there's highs and there's lows, more extreme than normal. And my therapist was telling me, that's really the way of life. And yet, as an American Christian man, I learned to only live the happy points and ignore the negative points, and sooner or later, the bounce up to high went very small, and I was dead. And so, so the freedom to live menopausal meant to actually feel the deep, but then you bounce up higher. And so maybe you, in order to get rid of your fig leaves, need to embrace the menopausal life. You know what I mean. In order for you to get rid of the fig leaves, I, I would encourage you to work hard at finding a safe place where you can share what's behind the fig leaves. I remember when I started the river 15, 16 years ago, I gathered a group of guys and say, hey, dudes, here's the deal. I'm going to move into senior pastoring, lead pastor. Up until that point, I'd been an associate. And there's going to be a little more responsibility and pressure. And I want a group of guys who refuse to put me on the stupid pastor pedestal that people do. I want people who are going to truly know me, know my faults, know my foibles, and will love me and walk with me through life anyway. And every guy that I called into that little circle just said, I'm in. And I want that too. Not a single one of them turned around and walked away. you got to find a safe place to be naked. I've learned in my marriage that the best thing for Christy and I, one of the best things for Christy and I, is for me to go against my natural inclination and to shell up when I'm feeling something, when I'm struggling with this thing over here, I feel like i got to go home and be, be good and not share anything. But it's better for me and it's better for Christy and it's better for our marriage and it's better for my kids when I can say to Christy, hey, I'm struggling with this. And every time I've done it, She's proven to me that I'm not a burden. It's my fear. And that it's okay for me to be fully seen. And to be fully seen by my wife, by my friends, has been liberating. So you'll have to work to find a safe place. Select friends, maybe a spouse. And you'll have to work to remove the fig leaves in those safe places. So I have a bit of a reputation around the Kalamazoo area because I've refused to live the fig leaf life for a while. I've shared this story at the river before, but some of you haven't heard it. There was a gathering of pastors, about 80 pastors were gathered, and three of us were asked to share, you know, just briefly a bit of our own story as pastors. And so next to a guy named, we'll call him Bob's name, was the word prayer. And he was going to share how prayer impacted his life. Underneath him was a, a pastor, her name was, we'll call her Debbie, was discipleship, how discipleship impacted her life. And right up there on the big white screen, with their names and those words, prayer and discipleship, was my name, Rob. And right next to it was the word lust. Because I've been overtly honest with my former struggles with pornography. And I found that freedom from pornography only came when I got unfig-leafed. And so all those pastors know that I was the one who, you know, had struggled with this. But we know studies tell us that a vast majority of, of dudes at one point in their life had wrestled with it. And yet of all those pastors, I was the only one who had gone public with it. And so there I was, Rob the Lust Guy. Or in another setting, a friend of mine a few months ago asked me to come preach at his church. 
He wanted me to, to speak about how God brings healing to the mental anguish that we struggle, right? That freedom of life in John 10, 10, or the abundant of life in John 10, 10. And he had known, because I've shared openly about my own bouts of depression, and so he introduced me, or he was actually gone, but his, his associate who introduced me to teach at his church that day would say, hey, this is George's, it's not his real name, but this is George's mentally ill pastor friend. Now, I could take offense at either of those, but in reality, those monikers don't stick because I've gone the way of honesty. In, in fact, I've learned from, well, from Eminem, right? Eminem, early in his rapping career, when he was freestyling and doing freestyle battles, you can look this up, it's even in the movie 8 Mile, would go after his own weaknesses and foibles and rap about them, and in so doing, took any ammunition that his rap battle opponent would, could use against him. He didn't, the other guy didn't have any ammunition to slam on Eminem because Eminem was open and said, hey, this is what I am, I know, I know. And in so doing, he lived free from the abuse of the opponent. And so when we live free and honest, our shortcomings don't become sledgehammers of shame. They become honest talking points of places where we can, we can acknowledge that God is working in us or has worked in us. So the things I've been saying to Barkley this week since his haircut and the things I'm saying to you are the same. It's okay to be naked, Barkley. You look good. You don't need to be ashamed. And nudity is good for you too. Naked is good. If you have prayer needs of any kind, email us at the river, prayer at the river.info. If you have questions about the river, email us, info at the river.info. And I want to thank you, all of you who have continued to support the ministry during these days. Uh, so don't forget your joy boxes, heart. Thank you. Love you. Hopefully see you face-to-face -face soon. I'll see you via this venue throughout the week. Peace. Thanks for listening. For more information, check us out online at theriver.info.